The following show is for informational purposes only. Individual situations may vary, and the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Welcome to Discovering Responsible Wealth. This is our monthly coaching call. This is Frank Congelos, your host, and it's a pleasure to be with you today. Our guest today is Jay Lamb of Shorepoint Advisors and CNA Financial Group. So, Jay, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you with us today. Thanks for having me, Frank. So, Jay, you know, it's interesting is um, it's been a, a fairly nice year in the markets. The markets have been coming up pretty well. And I'm starting to see where advisors are starting to show people illustrations of, you know, what occurred in the past and if you project that forward, what it might look like. And, you know, effectively what they're doing, a little bit that I'm starting to see, is they're doing what I call some past performance investing, uh, things like that. And they're trying to show people, you know, perhaps this might do well again. And what bothers me a little bit on that is that when I wrote a book uh, last year, it came out, it was called Coerced to Coached, The Battle for Your Mind and Money. One of the things that I point out is that past performance investing is generally not a good idea. And yet we're starting to see a little bit of that coming out again. So based on that, my question for you is, what are some of the concerns that you have or that you even discuss with clients with regard to that past performance investing and looking at what happened last year, where some of them even do, you know, I call it the back testing, you know, and they kind of look at that. So are you seeing that a little bit as well? And, you know, what's your response to that when you see it? What are your thoughts? Well, Frank, I am seeing that. And the best performing asset class over the last few years has been the S&P 500. And generally speaking, when people are picking their investment choices, they'll look at all the past rates of return for five year, three year, 10 year, so on and so forth. And they're generally picking the best performer. And as we know, there's no indication that that's going to be the best performing asset class in the future. So we generally have to educate our clients that we don't know what the best asset class is going to be performing in the future and have it be broadly diversified throughout all asset classes. So, Jay, I know that one of the tools that you utilize with people is that Callan table of periodic returns and so forth. And, you know, a show that we did early in the year, uh, we talked about the fact that over the last 20 years, the S&P 500 was the leader on there, like five out of 20. But maybe you can describe what that table really is telling people and how you utilize with people in the educational process. So the, the Callan table of investments is very uh, similar to the periodic table of uh, elements when you were in high school. And it shows all the performing asset classes. And one of the drills that we do when we first meet a, a client is we ask them if they see a pattern throughout the asset classes. And the calendar chart goes back, I believe, uh, to the early 1990s, and I'm sure you could find ones that go further back, but generally the one we use goes back to the early 1990s. And the best performing asset class in 96, 97, 98 was the S&P 500. And if you had bought the S&P 500, uh, do you know what, what occurred in 2001? And, and then a lot of people follow the chart and they say, oh, that wouldn't have been the best, best purchase. So that was the end of the tech boom. And then we generally go through and ask if they can see a pattern. And it's a trick question because we really don't know what the best performing asset class is going to be. Got it. So in staying with that, Jay, and you know, and I, I've seen the table many times, and it's kind of fun when they do it because they do it in all these colors. So it's one of those of, you know, even if you're the over 50 crowd like I am and you can't actually see the numbers, you know that it, it's all over the chart. So my question for you is looking at that, though, is what about when I have an active money manager? Because when – 
you look at those, you know, as far as the chart, it kind of tells you asset class. What about active money managers? You know, what about a guy that they said, hey, for the last three years, this guy's done phenomenal. What's the likelihood that that's going to continue going forward? And, and again, it's not against any one person, but do they have special insight? Do, you know, what do you think? What do you see? So my answer to that is uh, a lot of these active traders will trade on what's called momentum. And it's our belief that the only thing that's going to change any stock price in the future is any new unknown information. So unless they have insider information that we do not have access to or the retail investor doesn't have access to, we really don't know what's going to have that stock or that asset class actually change in the future. So we generally, again, we will tell our clients and advise we have to stay broadly diversified. And moving forward is because if there's new information on small capitalization stocks that we didn't know about, we want to own that ahead of time so we can capture that return. Gotcha. And when you say that you want to know that ahead of time is, you know, you and I have spoken about this. What actually is occurring is, is that when they have that broadly diversified portfolio that has all the asset classes like you're describing, although they may be tilted certain ways or whatever, what you're saying, I think, is that it's already in the portfolio. They're not going out and trying to pursue it at that point. Am I correct or what, am I missing something there? Yes, there's a good chance that we already own it. Got it. And what about, you know, um, I do hear about the concept or, you know, some portfolios talk about rebalancing. Okay, so in a nicely diversified portfolio, maybe you could take a minute and just talk about how rebalancing is even helping or not necessarily that it's helping, but it's providing some opportunities there for some of the asset classes that are not doing well, just knowing that we go through cycles. Well, Frank, how I explain rebalancing is a lot like going down to Atlantic City. So if I had a new client in front of me and they started playing blackjack with $100. Right. And now they uh, were on a streak and they have $125. All we simply do and show them as a coach, hence rebalancing, is reach over their shoulder and take that $25 of gain that they made playing blackjack off the table and almost essentially park it in their pocket for the time being. So if we had to compare the S&P 500 to our blackjack table, it's done very well. Most investors, just like most gamblers, want to keep it all in. Right. So by what we call rebalancing, we're forcing the client to sell and or take those gains off the table and park them in the short-term fixed income portion of the portfolio. Got it. And then in turn, if the market happens to fall or the S&P does poorly or other parts of the market do poorly, such as international or could be undervalued, which we're hearing a lot of today, we can actually take that $25 gain and purchase those stock at what we believe to be value. Got it. So it sounds like in you know my very simple terms is um, as the winners run up, we take some of our chips off the table and we buy some of the ones that have been kind of on sale or the ugly ducklings at the moment, knowing that in cycles we're buying things while they're on sale. And then when they have their cycle and they go up, we do it. The, it works the same way around. And that's that constant rebalancing that should perhaps be built into a portfolio if you really want to have a well-diversified, balanced portfolio. Yes. And what we often see is a lot of people are out of balance. And if you think about your vehicle tires, if you're out of balance, how well are you going to run your, on your car? Right. Or how well are those wheels going to turn? So a portfolio needs to be rebalanced at least annually, if not more. Got it. 
And, and you know, the only time that not balancing would have helped is if that one asset class had back-to-back a couple of good years because I would have had more in there, but that's all unpredictable. Correct. And we do see those that, that happen from time to time, and that's why we look at our portfolio performance from five to ten-year periods you got for it. long-term investing results. Perfect. You know, it, what it reminds me of as we have these conversations is one of my f- favorite movies is Back to the Future. And so when I think in terms of um, backtesting of portfolios and when I see advisors do that or clients even do that where they look at even like a 401k uh, performance and they go, well, look, look what did well last year. Let me buy those. It's almost like Marty going and buying the sports almanac. And it's like as if we can predict, you know, what's going to happen because we know. And it's like they don't know. Okay. And what occurred in the past, even though it says it clearly, Past performance is not indicative of future results. For a lot of times, both advisors and clients, they discount that as if, well, I know it says that, but, and it's that little but that kind of puts them at risk because what happens is we're chasing past performance knowing that at some point it does change. There is no pattern based upon what we just heard. Pretty accurate there, Jay? Am I missing anything? No, Frank, and I often use the example as there's no silver bullet to investing. So we have to teach the most advantageous position for our clients to be in to take advantage of true capitalism and market return. Perfect. And, you know, I, I hear about this concept, you know, and, and we use the numbers 94.42, and there's been these, you know, this research that's gone out. And, Jay, maybe you can just take a minute and talk about, you know, what, why asset allocation matters and so forth, and what does that those numbers 94.42 actually mean to you? So 94% of the time, our returns come from asset class selection. 4% of the time, it comes from timing, and 2% of the time, it comes from stock selection. Got it. So I, I, I kid people, and I say, you know, it's almost like um, cooking. I'm Italian, so I relate everything to food, which you know. So, you know, I look at it, that 94 is the ability to put ingredients together collectively to come out with a great meal. And that's where the meal really comes from. That 4% happened to be, did I use really good, you know, did I buy the name brand ingredients or whatever the game might be, not how I put them in. And then did I cook things just the right amount of time and so forth, which is, was it in enough, not in enough or whatever. So there's more of a science to the investing rather than that past performance. Yes, and we do just the opposite. We focus all our time on stock selection and the timing. And and we know it's very difficult to do historically. And, and the reason why we do it is because we're human and we have a gambling type mentality at times, which is we like the action. We like thinking that I picked that one. But it's funny because, you know, we give examples of gambling and so forth. And I'd like you to kind of think of it this way, which is I don't know how many horse races there are at a particular place in a given day, but if there's 10 and you won in one of them, what are you most likely to tell me about? You're going to tell about the winner. Right. You're not going to tell me about the nine you lost. Yeah. And this comes back to a lot of examples that we we use all the time Uh, when it comes to sports. Who's going to win the 2017 Super Bowl? Better yet, we do, we do a lot of drills at these seminars that we teach. And we'll have 30, 35 people in the room, and we'll have a quarter in front of everybody. Right. And we'll have everybody flip a quarter five times. And whoever has heads, we have them remain standing. And at the end, there's generally one or two people still standing. And then I ask the question, would you take all the money in your pocket and put it on that gentleman or that young lady to 
flip five heads again? And everybody says no. And then we ask, why would you do it in a money manager? So there's no indication that money manager or that fund or that asset class can have that same performance time and time again. Totally unpredictable. So anytime that we're hearing about um, past performance, you know, it's helpful to see what occurs, but we shouldn't pr try to predict the future based upon that. And the back testing, whereby advisors may say, what were the best performing funds over the last 10 years? And let's compare that to what you, you own, you know, or what asset classes you have or whatever, uh, would be very misleading, or I call it in the book, coercing, because they probably didn't even have any clients that owned all of those asset classes. They, they were just developing this model of what it would have looked like had they owned it, kind of like Marty you know, with the sports almanac and saying, oh, I knew what was going to occur, but he didn't own them prior to it happening. That's correct, Mike. You've been listening to Discovering Responsible Wealth. This is a production of the Institute of Responsible Wealth. And our guest today was Jay Lamb of Shorepoint Advisors and CNA Financial Group. Jay, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me, Frank. And for all of our listeners, this has been Frank Congelos, and I wish you a great Labor Day weekend and a great end of summer. Advisors of the Institute of Responsible Wealth may be licensed for investment and insurance products. The Institute of Responsible Wealth is an educational division of CNA Financial Group. CNA Financial Group and its advisors are an agency or an agent of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. Park Avenue Securities is an indirect, wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. The Institute of Responsible Wealth and CNA Financial Group are not affiliates or subsidiaries of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian.